like Natalie Dormer is one of my favorite white women. Uh, definitely one of my, <laughs> like when I see Natalie Dormer on screen, I know a bitch is about to get fucked up. Like I know it's right. About- Even if she doesn't do it directly, it's going to happen as a consequence of her presence. everyone this is alex and this is M. welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is the podcast for tv lovers movie buffs binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and a bit of rewriting where necessary For much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Today we'll be discussing the British Tudor area historical drama, The Tudors. This period drama follows the lives and loves of King Henry VIII, of England and how these women influenced his allegiances, his politics, his religion, and ultimately the course of history. What is it about this period drama that made it so intriguing? How did the politics of this British monarchy continue to keep us fascinated over 500 years later? Stay tuned. All right, everyone. So here's some details about the Tudors. This is a Tudor era. This is a this is a Tudor era historical drama. It was created by Michael Hurst, and it was released from April first, two thousand and seven, through June twentieth, twenty ten. It aired on the BBC Two network in the UK, the CBC Television Network in Canada, Showtime in the US, and TV Three in Ireland. The series had a total of 38 episodes over the course of four seasons, and it stars Jonathan Rhys Myers as King Henry VIII of England, our protagonist, Maria Doyle Kennedy as Catherine of Aragon, Henry's first wife, Natalie Dormer as Anne Boleyn, Henry's most infamous mistress and later his second wife, Anita Brim um, in season two and Annabelle Wallace in seasons three and four as Jane Seymour, Henry's third and favorite wife, Joss Stone as Anne of Cleves, Henry's fourth wife, Tamsin Merchant as Catherine Howard, Henry's fifth wife, Jolie Richardson as Catherine Parr, Henry's sixth wife, um, Bethnade McNeil, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, in season one, and then Sarah Bolger in seasons two through four as Princess Mary, Henry's eldest surviving child with Catherine of Aragon. Kate Dugan in season two, Claire McCauley in season three, and Louise Murray in season four as Princess Elizabeth, the daughter of Henry and Anne Boleyn, Eowyn Murtaugh and Jack Hathaway as Prince Edward, Henry's son with Jane Seymour, and this is the only legitimate uh, male heir that he had. Zach Jensurajic as Henry Fitzroy, Henry's illegitimate son with Elizabeth Blunt. 
Henry Cavill as Charles Brandon, the first Duke of Suffolk, Charles Frain as Thomas Cromwell, the first Earl of Essex, Jeremy Northam as Sir Thomas More, Frank McCuster as Thomas Ryothesley, the first Earl of Southampton, Henry Cerny as Thomas Howard, the third Duke of Norfolk, Ruta Gedmentis as Lady Elizabeth Blount, Callum Blue as Anthony Nivert, Chris Holden Reed, you guys might remember him from Lost Girl, as Sir William Compton, Joe Van Moylan as Thomas Thallus, Perdita Weeks as Mary Bolin and sister, and the, the rumored mother of two of Henry's sons. Emmanuel Leconte as King Francis I of France, Sam Neill as Cardinal Thomas Wolseley, the Archbishop of York, and last but not least, John Cavanaugh as Cardinal Campeggio. So the series begins in the year 1518. <laughs> this is one of the oldest series that we'll be covering. And life was vastly different then in England in 1518, but the more things change, the more they stay the same. Fuck boys are gonna fuck boy across the centuries. Let's get into it. <laughs> right. So, like, first of all, we'll get to this eventually, but like when I was rewatching this, I feel like first of all, I forgot about Joss Stone. <laughs> that Joss Stone was a thing. <laughs> she was a little actress, girl. She was acting. I, I forgot like... about her too. No cap. I forgot about her too. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, Joss Stone was like an actress. <laughs> so like it was like a one-two punch. <laughs> okay. Oh. Um, for the kids, you know, our international listeners, listeners particularly uh, in the UK, child, when I say I don't know anything about white history. <laughs> yeah, we really don't, ex- don't. Don't expect <laughs> us to, like, be like, ooh, like, because, like, I don't know and I don't care. Like, I'm sorry. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. I, I did do a little bit of back work on the back Same. end on Just- these wives. Just to find out, like, how much liberty the show took and how historically accurate that it is. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like an underground or a madman. Um, this is based on real people that we know definitively existed, right? Right. So, like, I want to know how much liberty the show's taken. For the most part, um, it did take some liberties, which I felt made the show more exciting. When I was going over the the cast, for example, and I mentioned that Jane Seymour was Henry's favorite wife. The show doesn't explicitly say that, but history does say that. Um, He loved her so much that he chose to be buried beside her when he died. Right, right. Um, (laughs) And then I do... So, yeah, but it's mostly just going to be us talking about these costumes, talking about this, like, drama, really getting into it. Well, so... Okay, so first of all, uh, The Tudors was on Showtime. And this was, like one of Showtime's, like, really big hits. Like, it was a huge hit for, like, the network. Um, This was not Jonathan Reese Myers' first thing. This wasn't his first thing at all. But, like, it was... But, like, The Tudors was definitely, like, his, like, Mad Men. It, like, it put him, like, on a different level, like, in terms of his star status. Uh, unfortunately, after the Tudors, he started getting, like, way more, like, American productions and stuff. But, um, it didn't last because of his, you know, stuff. His very public... His star didn't last, I think, due to his, like, really public struggles with addiction, unfortunately. 
R.I.P. Dracula. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and we covered that. We covered Dracula in our in, as a in our Patreon. If you guys want to check that out. Yeah. Um. But like he was. But like this show was like really critically um well received and like in but in particular his performance was very like critically like well received. Right. Um, now, I don't know what you guys were doing across the pond. I don't know if he was already a big deal over there, but the Tudors absolutely put Jonathan Rees Myers on, like you said, when it comes to an American audience. And Jonathan Rees Myers is a white man that I give a lot of credit because he's one of the few really good looking white men that I see whose uh, who's, uh, beauty or sex appeal or what have you actually matches his talent. And, and in some cases, his talent supersedes um, his appearance. I don't see that a lot. Right, right. Like he's, cause you know, pretty boys, no shade to pretty boys, but like pretty boys can be boring. Like it's so, so try. (laughs) (laughs) Really just don't try half the time. Y'all, y'all rest on the pretty. I feel like either he's, he's someone who has, who's took his work very seriously from, from a very young age, or maybe he had a childhood where he was awkward looking and had to grow into his looks. So it might not have like fully dawned on him that he was good looking until he had already gotten into the habit of working hard. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, y'all love to rest on your laurels, and I don't want to feel. I don't want people to think that I'm bashing the men. The pretty girls do it too. No, yeah, the pretty girls can be super boring. <laughs> so boring. Like, woo, child, so boring. Um, but but from jump, like it's popping off. Like when we when we're uh, put into this this world, and we're we're watching these people. Right. So it's 1518 and Henry's already married at this point to his wife, Catherine of Aragon. Um, now historically Catherine is from Spain. Yes. Um, yeah. And obviously these unions between England, France, Spain, Portugal, Italy, what have you, they were, these were marriages of convenience at, on, in the, under the best of circumstances and under the worst of circumstances, they were really political alliances Right. I mean, I think, yeah, most of the time it's like, it's definitely like political alliances because these, these marriages are uh, like orchestrated from when these people are like, you know, like children. Henry's not happy with this marriage um, for a few reasons. He and Catherine have had three or four children at this point, but only Mary has survived. She is his oldest child and the only surviving child that he has with, with Catherine. On top of that, Catherine is incredibly religious. She spends most of her waking hours praying. I remember when I first watched the show, I was impressed by how devout she is. But in rewatching the show and knowing how people it were were like hungry in the streets, I was like, "Faith without work, sweetie," because you could have been out here feeding the hungry or something. Um, I mean, it's just a <laughs> lot of time to spend praying. Like it's so much. Like it's she so was much. literally surgically attached to that rosary. You guys, um, it was a problem. Uh... And of course she spends all her time praying and the show, I'm not, I still don't know what the show's trying to show us. I don't know if they're trying to show us that she literally has no interest in sex and only sleeps with her husband out of duty or because she already knows he's cheating on her has lost an interest that she might have had previously. I really don't know how to interpret that, but the point is 
they're not fucking and they they kind of both go out of their way to avoid intimate situations with each other. Well, she does like she does say like I think in that opener she's like I'd like to be your wife in every way and then you know there's like a hand touch and he's just like girl not feeling it. <laughs> like girl, like um, <laughs> Yeah, I do remember that. You're right. But even then I'm like is she only saying that because it's her duty and she doesn't want him to knock up a mistress? Like I don't even know anymore. I think like, she's probably trying to give him a boy, you know? She's trying to Right. That's the that's the vibe I was getting. Like, please give me a let me give you a give me a chance to give you a son, not oh I want you so bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a criticism of the show like at the time when it came out was like, "Oh, like they're making like cuz white people get like really precious about their own history." <laughs> White people get very precious. It's so annoying. Um, like, like, no cap, you guys are so annoying about this. <laughs> they're like, oh, it's like, it's like, it's so much, like, but a big criticism, like, in the negative was like, oh, like, it's like a soap opera. There's like a lot of sex. I'm like, honey, like, yes. <laughs> like, and it's, it's, we're living for it. Like, it's now yeah. I'm interested <laughs> Like, honestly, first of all, I didn't think the tutors had that much sex. In fact, I think Henry was having a lot more sex. And the mistresses, who I think probably had side boyfriends of their own, and the women of the court and the men of the court were having a lot more sex than the show depicted. And I absolutely think in an era where the only thing you had to risk through sex was pregnancy, like, um, the risk of syphilis was low, uh, chlamydia and gonorrhea didn't exist. HIV didn't exist. Like, what are we, what, like, what are you even asking people right now? Of course they were having sex. <laughs> I mean, what else is there to do? Like, you know what I mean? What else, like, what else is there to do? Right. <laughs> like, like, you, like, there's praying and sex. Like right. or, come on. or eating or 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 like and but only if you were wealthy enough, right, to have like three four meals a day. Right, people, like the the peasants had their breakfast and they had to work off that fuel and you know drink some broth and they got home and go to bed hungry. <laughs> that was their life. You've got to fill the time. Um. So yeah. So we we come in and like she and Catherine is not. And, you know, Henry's got, you know, all these girls on call. Uh, and and that's what he's doing with his life, um, as well as, you know, attempting to run a country. So I, I want to say before going any further that court life is like a soap opera. You're never going to get away from that. If you have people who are essentially a paid entourage, the Duke of whatever, the Viscount of whatever, the Duchess of whatever... And literally all they do is just hang out at the castle all day and gossip. That's a soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, they don't have jobs. They only have titles. What do you want these people to do? <laughs> so, so in, so in the midst of all, of all this, there is like, there's a thing that's happening in regards to like, I don't know. There's like beef with France or something, um, which makes sense because, like, I think in this time, like, really in any period, like, I think in like the, the the feudal or medieval period, like, England and France are always like in a fight. That's just what they do. <laughs> like, England, England hates France. France hates England. That they just they don't fuck with each other like ever. Like, period. So, 
um, that's that's happening in the background. <laughs> right, right, right. And they, they they don't waste any time. Now, this first season only had 10 episodes, so they couldn't waste time. They couldn't waste our time, right? Like, right. Um, we jump right in. He's married his their, to Catherine. Their daughter, Mary, who is, like, barely out of toddlerhood, is already engaged to the Dauphin of France, which is, like, the prince. Mm-hmm. Um... He's got a rival, the Duke of Beckingham, who's like a distant relative of his and who's plotting to to kill Henry and take the throne for himself. And um, Thomas Boleyn, the father of Mary and Anne Boleyn, as well as the Duke of Norfolk, are conspiring in this plan to murder Henry. There's a lot of things going on already. And then Henry is already sleeping around with um, one of... Catherine's ladies-in-waiting, Lady Elizabeth Blount, um, the one who I said um, is the mother of his illegitimate son. And she's pregnant right now. All of this is in the pilot, okay? So we already know what we're getting into. (laughs) These people are wild. They're bored, and all they do is eat, sleep, have sex, and conspire to kill folks. Oh, the the trappings of court life. Um... I swear white people do the worst things when they're bored I think boredom (laughs) is like a bored white person is the most dangerous white person I'm dying on that (laughs) and we're dying on that hill (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about uh, the Bolins for a minute let's get into them Tom Bolin is a fuckboy that probably honestly rivals Henry because he's willing to uh, literally sell his daughters in the interest of of scheming and conspiring. Um, he essentially get in, uh, entreats both of his daughters, uh, first Mary and then later Anne, to seduce the king and to either uh, distract him to while they get away with this murder plot, or at least get in his good graces and become like a a very um a very uh, comfortable mistress to the king. He doesn't care. He's just trying to secure his bag and he's using his daughters to do it. Exactly. So um, Natalie Dormer plays Anne Boleyn, who, like, Natalie Dormer is one of my favorite white women. Uh, definitely Same. one of my <laughs> Like, when I see Natalie Dormer on screen, I know a bitch is about to get fucked up. Like... <laughs> I know what's right. About. Even if she doesn't do it directly, it's going to happen as a consequence of her presence. Presence, exactly. <laughs> like, I know it's about to really, I'm like, oh shit, Natalie's here. It's about to pop off. And that's exactly what happens. <laughs> so, uh, the, so her sister basically starts sleeping with the king first, but you know, you know, her sister just isn't enough of a bad bitch. Like, unfortunately, and so Natalie, Natalie Dormer Amberlin is basically, you know, she takes it to the head. Like she takes it to the, to the tip, tip, tippity top. And, but in this time, like she starts like an affair with the king and like, and basically Henry becomes like obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. The thing with Mary and why she couldn't keep Henry is, like, kind of up in the air. Some people say she was too nice, she was too sweet. And this is why later Anne was accused of, quote-unquote, having put a spell on Henry. Mm -hmm. Even he later accused her of, like, witchcraft to keep him. Um, And people even say that Anne—now, this is a rumor, you guys, this was never verified— that 
Anne is actually the reason why Henry never acknowledged the two children that Mary supposedly um, bore him. Mary had two children that um, are rumored to have been Henry's children, two sons that he never acknowledged, not even the way he acknowledged his illegitimate son by Elizabeth Blount. Like, like completely didn't acknowledge them at all. And it was rumored that when he took up with Anne, Anne basically told him like, um, you're, you're not going to acknowledge those children. You're not going to acknowledge any life before me. <laughs> listen. Ooh, listen. Ooh, um, hate that. And, and I can see how a woman like that, who's so assertive, would be very intoxicating to a man like this in the short term. But Henry also has a wandering eye. And you can never keep a man like that in the long term. Right. You know, poor Anne. Like, and, and Anne, like, and obviously another reason why, like, And it's interesting, like, people sort of go back and forth, like, historians go back and forth about, like, how much of, like, this, like, idea that we have of Anne, like, in terms of, like, like, this conniving sort of person is, like, true, because obviously misogyny, so, like, in everything that's written about her is, like, been written by men. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, how much of it is, like, truth and how much of it is just, like, fuckboy energy, but, I mean, she did, mm-hmm. but, like, Anne, beyond Anne herself being, like, this huge figure, she did birth, you know, one of the greatest colonizers to ever colonize, you know? So it's, like, you know, yes. maybe, like, mother, like, daughter. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, Elizabeth I. Um, I think, and you know, now, Elizabeth wasn't raised with either of her parents, and I think that's significant. Um and probably the reason why she was alone for most of her life um and she never married how do you get past the fact that your your father had your mother executed right <laughs> like like <laughs> what child uh, that is out of out of the tears of dysfunction that's like top tier <laughs> dysfunction top tier <laughs> <laughs> but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We so, are getting ahead of ourselves. So, and also to Elizabeth Blount, uh, she gives birth to uh, Henry's son, Henry Fitzroy, and he throws a celebration and Catherine's in agony because here you are hyping up your side baby with your side chick, who is also her lady-in-waiting. So there's a lot of betrayal happening there. There's a lot of ill feelings. This boy's alive and he's healthy and... It's just a lot of ill feelings. And then Thomas now, Thomas Boleyn is just seeing the situation. He's like, you know, I don't think he's interested in Mary anymore. Let's go to her little sister because I'm not losing this bag. Right. He's like, he he's <laughs> like, he is, he's just focused on getting this bag. Like, he's like, we are going to be rich and powerful and I don't care. Like, and you're going to pop this pussy until we get there. <laughs> Right. And it's kind of interesting the way that mistresses, because this is like mistresses, side chicks, were treated in that era. If this was any other man, like a man who was like a merchant and who was like considered middle class of the time or a farmer who was considered a peasant and he had a side woman, she would be vilified. Right. But the king's mistresses, not the duke's mistresses, not the viscount's mistresses, but the, specifically the king's mistress were almost given a place of honor where people like low-key hated them, but they had to respect them publicly. Right, like, and I, and honestly, I like that. Like, if you're going to be, you know, a side chick, be like a top-tier side chick. You know what I mean? That's that's real shit. Dream I feel big, that. girl. Dream big. Dream big. Um, right, and but, I'm here for it. 
Um, and I'm also here for the fact that um, one of the things that struck stuck out to me about the tutors is that we didn't shame people for having a lot of kids. Even rich people had a lot of kids and it was expected that you're going to have a lot of kids. Like you got to have an heir, you got to have a spare, you got to have some daughters so you can make some trade them in marriage and treaties. Um, you got to have a couple backup kids that are going to be the Duke and Viscount of whatever, because you want as many people that are as closely blood related to you as possible being in the court. Right. Um, one thing I do, so, so, so basically Henry and Anne like start a thing. Right. And, um, there and like he becomes like uber like obsessed with her and she is and you know she's doing it for her dad but like along the way she's definitely catching feelings herself um one thing that i do like that the the show stuck with that i think is also historically I think I do think because I read this like it's also historically accurate is just the fact that like nobody really liked her <laughs> like in the court like no one liked her like no like and she could not as much as she tried like win friends and supporters among like other people besides the king and just like how important that is like that you do have other friends and supporters beyond the king because that was like another thing like people really that was like another thing was like people really liked beyond all the like huge political changes that like are are about to come because like henry basically just like really wants to fuck Anne. like a lot of people really liked catherine like a lot of people she like even if the king didn't fuck with her she had a lot of friends a lot of supporters a lot of people who felt like henry did her dirty and we we come to see how important all those those factors are. Right, right. Um, now, Anne being disliked, a lot of people use this as quote-unquote proof that she was conniving and she was evil. But I'm like, if she was a witch, like she was later accused of being, <clears throat> she could have just easily made everybody love her. Um, I think the reason why people um, hated Anne is the same reason they loved Catherine. Influence. Catherine had no influence over her husband and everybody knew it because he didn't want her and had a great deal of influence over him because like Alex said, he wanted to sleep with her. She had his ear. There was pillow talk before they were even, they even got around to the sex part of things because he was completely um, fixated on being with her. And I think um, people didn't, I mean, and this is just a, uh, an assumption here, but I don't think people liked Catherine so much as they liked the fact that she couldn't change the tide either way. Like, people in court had more influence than Henry's own wife. Um, I think a lot of people just saw her as not an obstacle, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Well, like, yeah, and, like, the show, and I think, like, the show, like, absolutely frames it that way. Um, uh, in... Yeah, the, and 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 that's I think the the vibe that the show the the show goes for, um, in I and like now historically like once Anne gets to the throne she tries really hard like I I actually really feel bad for her because she tries really hard to get other people to like her like she tries really really hard she throws like parties like she brings like musicians to court to like play for everybody she tries she. 
she becomes like she tries to be like super religious like on top of it and it doesn't matter like she does all the things it doesn't matter she cannot gain friends and supporters (laughs) um and it just it just doesn't work out like and it sucks and I, I feel bad for her in that respect yeah, it's really bad. But what we learned from this is that you can't buy, you can't buy friends and you can't buy um, people's loyalty, unfortunately. Um, we also learned that um, about Cardinal Wosley and his hand in this. So uh, England is still a Catholic country and it's right. still under the Roman Catholic Church and the papacy. And um, the reign of Henry VIII actually saw the um, England moved from uh, Catholicism to Anglicism. Um, and the reason for that was because of Henry's desperate desire to divorce Catherine. And so the Catholic Church is not. And? <laughs> and other people in peace. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was essentially it. Because he'd had a lot of mistresses, but he wanted Anne to be his wife. And honestly, he had been trying to divorce Catherine for a while. He had wanted to divorce her and marry Lady Elizabeth Blount. But it was until Anne came along that that fire was lit under him to be proactive about this. And listen, and, like, and that's when I say, like, shout out to Anne, because she took it to the fucking top. Like, she got this man <laughs> to break, like... I feel like I cannot stress enough how big of a deal that is. Like, she told this man to tell the Catholic Church to go fuck itself just so he could, just so she could be queen. Like, do you know the kind of top tier? Like, her pussy must have been so tight. Like, I know it was. Like, there's no for, like, because that is crazy. Because when you think about all the money, all the political power and influence like from Italy that is like tied into that for then like the king. Right. Starting like a war, like a war just so you can like jump from side hoe to queen. Oh my God. Shout out to like, you know, stand up and get in sh- and, you know, pour one out for Anne Boleyn. Cause she is really that bitch. Like, honestly, <laughs> Like, yeah, she was doing it for all the side girls, all the trophy wives, all the second wives, all the concubines. We like, <laughs> I respect it, girl. I respect I it. But the, it. Like, what the reason I bring up the church and the papacy, and this is super important, is I think as much as as much as historians want to talk about Am, they very conspicuously, in my in my personal opinion, intentionally, um, leave out the fact that. Obviously, since Henry is a man of great power, he's running a country and means and influence because the people will follow, for the most part, whatever their whatever religion their their leaders are following, that the church didn't just want to let him go. <laughs> okay. Nice. They were very upset that he wanted to uh to basically uh throw the religion back in their face and break ties with them. And the Catholic Church has a lot of power and a lot of influence and a lot of money as well. They may right. not be running countries, but low key they're running countries. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, and that's why it's and that's why when you know Henry decides to do this and like it's it's a, I mean, right? Like it changes the course of England forever. Um, and it's like why when he decides, and it's I think it's also part of why I mean this break and this thing and. Uh, it's part of why I think 
artists and shows continue to like because there are a lot of shows about the Tudors and the Tudor family and Henry VIII and and I mean in popular culture it's like it's why I think it's definitely why it continues to be something of like legend because like it's kind of crazy like when you think about it you're like holy shit like that just could have gone wrong in so many ways and like it is and that's and there is, like, so much interesting, like, thoughts about it. I mean, I think it also helps during this time that, like, I think, and the show does, um, I and I think one of my plights with the show is that, like, I don't think they're, they mention it, but I don't think they're, like, as in-depth with it, like, politically as I, I think that they could have been. Um, right. But they... But they do mention the fact that, like, the Catholic Church is super corrupt and, like, you got to pay all these, like, taxes to them, like, as a country, right? Like, the country right. does, like, put a, a certain amount of money aside that goes to Italy to, like, fund all their shit. And when we talk about the Borgias, we'll get more into this about, like, the just far, like, how far the Catholic Church reaches and, like, how much money and all all that, that stuff because it's really intense. But, um... You know, you got to pay all this money to like, you know, Italy, and like it's a, it's a, it's a lot of drama, and then like, you know, you pay all this money to them, and then you know, you do all this stuff, you like, and then when you ask for a divorce, then they're gonna be like, oh no, girl, you can't get divorced. Like, I kind of get where like Henry's at too, because it's like, wait, do I run my country or do you run my country? Because the last time I checked. I was king. So if I want to divorce a bitch, like, I'm going to divorce a bitch. Thank you. And, like, you just need to sign off on it. Yeah, no shade. No shade. But, like, I completely agree with that. And I was on, I was, I was Team Henry on this one because the fact of the matter is, is it a marriage or is it a hostage situation? <laughs> um, <laughs> like, because at the end of the day, like, and we need more backstory about this. Catherine was actually the wife of Henry's brother first. Right. Um, and his brother died, so he's marrying this woman who's, like, a few years older than him. It's already his brother's wife. Like, it's like, I didn't even get my own wife. I had I got my brother's leftovers. I got my brother's widow, and then she gave me a daughter. And I still don't have a son. I'm not attracted to this woman. And the way it's framed, he was never <laughs> attracted to her. Um, and I'm stuck in this marriage. And I fund you. And by extension, my citizens do too, right? Because uh, Catholicism demands that you tithe 10% of your income. And even if you're 10%, even if you're earning like 10 pence, you better give that one pence up, sis. Like, <laughs> like, like so, so I'm doing all of this for you. My authority put you on and like, I can't get a divorce. <laughs> so he feels really, really bad about this. And honestly, I feel bad for him. And, of course, he ends up getting his way, but, like, and I agree with you, the show doesn't do enough to show, like, how diabolical this was in the background. If you guys want to see, I think, a more measured account of how bad the situation was, I would suggest the movie The Other Boleyn Girl, starring uh, Natalie Portman and uh, Scarlett Johansson as Anne and Mary, respectively. And it really talks about not only how Anne connived with Henry and basically pushed him away from all other women, Elizabeth Blount, uh, Catherine of Aragon, and her own sister, but how the church itself um, and these men of God 
were not above conspiring and gossiping and whispering in Henry's ear and essentially did more damage to that relationship than than Anne herself ever could. Right. And it's like, cause, cause that's the thing. It's like the cat, obviously it's like the Catholic church is like super invested in making sure they, you know, and like, I think any sort of royalty you'll, you'll find this, but the Catholic church has a big vested interest in like these marriages and who's going to marry who. And they don't, and around this time you also have like all the Protestants, like the reformers and people who want to reform the church and people who want to separate from the church. And they're trying to like, and you find that the Catholic church has like these ambassadors and these bishops, but really they're spies. They're spies and they're trying to figure out like who's trying to separate, who's trying to reform because like, we got to get these people out because what you're not going to do is stop the flow of money that comes from these countries back to Italy. Right. So Martin Luther, the father of of Protestant of the Protestant of the Lutheran Church and like the father of Pro- Protestantism um, was kind of big in this era. And like in episode three, we talk about like them finding episode like finding copies of like Lutheran paraphernalia and like Lutheran. Uh, well, they call it propaganda, but just it's just pamphlets. And, you know, they're shook. They're they really shook. shook. <laughs> People have tried to separate from the Catholic Church many times before then. The Lutheran Church was just the first time it was successful. Um, but don't get it twisted. People have tried to separate from Catholicism many, many times before. And when in its in its conception, the the Catholic Church actually had to absorb a lot of pagan traditions like um, Christmas, Easter. Uh, Halloween, these are all rooted in pagan traditions, and they had to absorb them in order to make the transition easier for a lot of people. So they understood what was at risk here. They understood how easy it is to take bits and pieces of of religion that you did like and throw away the stuff that you didn't like. (laughs) And they don't want that. Right. And they wouldn't want that because because they're trying to because they're like everybody else. Like, you know, they say that they're doing it for Jesus, but like, really, they're just trying to get their bag. Um. And that was a hefty bag, man. The <laughs> church a... still has so much money, you guys. If you ever get a chance to go to the Vatican, the opulence of the place will literally make your jaws drop. And uh, the Vatican still has more money than most nations on earth. They they just don't call themselves a nation, so they, they don't get classified as such. And most people don't take into account just how much money they have coming in with literally doing nothing. <laughs> doing, like, I mean, just... <laughs> Like the money, like money is so long, like it's crazy. Um, okay, so I want to talk really quickly. So let's talk really quickly about Henry Cavill fucking this dude's sister. Oh, right, he wasn't he the one with Princess Margaret? Yes, right. Princess Margaret was, was it was set to marry the king of Portugal, right? right? That's yes. Henry, Princess Margaret is Henry's older sister. Yeah. And but like Henry Cavill is her side dude. And that was weird. Well, like well, I kind of get the attraction to Henry Cavill. He's a very pretty man. He's a bit too symmetrical for me, but he's a very pretty man. So basically Henry Cavill is playing somebody whose name I don't know. But I do know that he's the king's best friend. And the king specifically is like, oh, take my sister to Portugal because you're the only person I trust not to fuck my sister. And then what happens? He totally 
fucks his sister. And not only do they fuck, but then they get married in secret. And child, it's a mess. <laughs> right. So Henry Cavill plays Charles Brandon, who is the first Duke of Suffolk. What does he do? Nothing. He Nothing. just wears that Be title. Um, <laughs> that's what all the members of the court do. They just wear that little title. They don't make any decisions. Um, but yeah. And again, she is set to marry the king of Portugal. This is a political merger. She's done something that, um, you know, people have um, massacred entire wedding parties over. <laughs> um, <Right>. But yeah. <laughs> so that happens. And the, the cool thing about the Tudors is that it's, like I said, these, this first season is only 10 episodes, but they move very, very quickly. They don't spend more than two episodes max on any one year. So you're jumping years at a time. The The pilot was, we dropped this in uh, 15, 18. The second, the second episode, we were at 15, 19 to 15, 20. Uh, for third episode, we're in 15, 21. So we're moving really, really fast. And by the time, um... By the time uh, um, Charles Brandon swipes Princess Margaret Margaret from the King of Portugal, we're in 1521. Right. And we don't get the... We spend one more year in this in the next episode. But then after that, like, we're, we're moving on. We're moving on. Like, they jump us to 1526 in episode five. And one of the things that I like about this is that I feel doing it that way actually makes it less of a soap opera. Yes, I'm talking to you haters. Um, we don't get wrapped up in the minutia of every single day or even every single month. We get to the grit, the most interesting thing that happened in that time period, and then we move on. <laughs> Same. And I appreciate that. Like, I like that we just sort of get it and keep going. We're just like, it happens and we're, we, we move on. Oh, and uh, stop trusting your best friends to not sleep with your sister because they're probably attracted to your sister. Yeah, they're probably going to sleep with your sister. Um, yeah, so, like, that happens, and they get, like, the, they get banished. Henry is not pleased um, at but all. But also, he kind of didn't have a choice because they have to understand the time frame. They broke a political pact, and so, like, if he condoned her behavior or appeared to be condoning it, that could have been a war with Portugal. That's true. Like it makes it makes it look bad. Like, and it does. It looks it looks really bad. So, um, by so by the time we get to so the season ends with um, Henry is basically told the Catholic Church to go fuck itself. <laughs> And he's going forward and like marrying Anne, and he marries Anne. That and we we end it with like like just drama. It's a lot of drama. It's a lot of issues. I definitely think it's worth noting that even though Anne wasn't his favorite wife, she still is and was remains the woman who had the most influence on Henry, the most influence on the course of English and honestly world history. And this is why she got an entire season dedicated to her. And exactly. The, <laughs> and the other girls had to be squeezed in where they could get in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they like behead Cardinal Wellesley for treason? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was doing the utmost. He really was going above and beyond. 
to try to keep Henry under leash. And I don't use that term lightly. It really was like, I've got my, you're, I'm standing on your neck. Who's going to check me? <laughs> situation. Right. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, it was really gross. And even if that man didn't want a divorce or he didn't have a mistress, you know, waiting to level up to wife, like, it's not okay. The way they are treating him was not okay. And the situation could have handled, been handled better if the Catholic Church had played their position um, better, but they kept trying to make a king their subordinate. He was raised and pampered for this his entire life, and you think he's going to bow his head to you? That's what I'm saying. They, 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 they made like the. I mean, they threw the dice. Basically, they threw the dice because they're like, oh well, maybe like he'll be like, because they're they were essentially banking on him being like, well, these are the people who are like authoritative to God and so therefore like he'll know that this is like coming from quote-unquote God instead of like us and maybe he'll just do it but instead he made the leap and shout out and like Anne was instrumental in this and he made the leap of like okay but like if I'm born and I am like from God and actually I am an intermediary of God not you I know God's will not you. So fuck you. I'm going to do what I want. And they just, they totally, they totally miscalculated that situation. Child. And honestly, this is the risk you take when you say God is speaking through me, but you offer people no proof. Cause what's stopping the next person from saying God is speaking through them. Right. It's like, you know, and this is, and I mean, and then this is like why, you know, people also became like shook when like the Bible started when like you have the reformers being like everybody should be able to read the Bible for themselves and not just people and not just like uh, the Catholics in Rome. Cause that was also a th- an, like a that's, and we get to that I think in the second season, but like, this is like right. another thing that's like happening in the period of like, they're like, Oh, well um, I should like, they're like, Oh, like, no, you can't just like read the Bible. And they're like, but why not? (laughs) It's like, because, you know, reasons. (laughs) Little history lesson. This is why a lot of churches, particularly Catholic churches, have stained glass windows. If you look closely at the stained glass windows, they all tell, they're all frames of, of really popular biblical stories. And this was a way of explaining the story to someone who couldn't read it or wasn't allowed to read it. Right. So that's where the season ends off. Cardinal Wolseley is charged with high treason for trying to conspire against the king with uh, Catherine of Aragon. And, uh, of course, Henry can't do anything to Catherine because she's still she's still uh, a part of the Spanish monarchy and he's not trying to start a war. <laughs> right. Um, and also, like, she has friends and supporters. Like, that's another thing. That's, like, also part of what saves her. She has, like, a lot of... She has enough, like, popularity within the court that, like, he can't really, like, do anything. And that's another thing about Henry. I will give credit where credit is due. He was smart enough not to make enemies just for the sake of having enemies. (laughs) Like, you gotta pick and choose who you're ready to piss off and why. (laughs) Right, why? Um, But, um, at the... Oh, hold on, go ahead. No, 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 I, I I was waiting for you. Um... Anne does something, though, at the end of the season that actually, like, sabotages any headway that she had made prior. 
um, she and Henry are, you know, about to get it on, and then she she stops it. She puts the brakes on it. And in doing this, I don't think she thought this shit through. <laughs> I know she didn't think this shit through. But in doing this, she's actually not any different than Cardinal Wolseley because she's trying to say that I'm in control of you, which is not well received by him at all. He's furious. And that note of fury and anger towards her sets the tone for the rest of their relationship. She's definitely, listen, like, she's definitely playing, like, a, she's playing a long game. And it's, it's, um, it's, it, it, it's, it's a gamble. Like, she's, she's definitely, like, rolling that dice. She, like, more than any other person, like, definitively. Right. I mean, she's playing the long game, but she's also playing a dangerous game uh, in so doing. Like, shout out to Henry for not forcing himself on her because illegally he had the right to. And it's kind of sad that I have to give credit for doing the decent thing. But there it is. It's particularly in shows like this. um, We see men in power uh, raping women all the time. Right. Um, But he doesn't. But it leaves a bad taste in his mouth. Um, she went from being a very strong-willed person to keep coming off very petty and vindictive and controlling in just that one interaction. And so um, that's where we end season one. Um, he doesn't have Cardinal Wosley, but he doesn't really feel like he has Anne either. Um, so events have been set into motion that cannot be undone. <laughs> and Henry right. is kind of heated. <laughs> It's, he's he's kind of heated. He's like all this sort of like, oh, I love you. Like you're my king. And like, you know, I'm, you know, he's, he's feeling it, but he's not feeling it as much as he used to. Uh, so season one. Happily ever after. Poor baby. Poor baby. Uh, so season one, good, bad, or basic. I thought season one was very good. Um, particularly for the reason I said they, they jump years every episode. I really don't want to see your day-to-day, actually. I just want to get to the the meat of the, the 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 juicy bits and go about my life. So that was really great. It didn't seem too fast. It didn't seem like information overload. And I, I really enjoyed that, both the casting and the acting on the show. So I give it a good. What about you? Same. I'm going to give it a good for, for your reasons as well. Like, it... Um... You know, funny enough, like, it is, like, a political drama, technically, I guess, as well as a historical one. And we know how boring those can get. <laughs> uh, so, what uh, <laughs> um, swing? They, they do a good balance in terms of, like, giving you this, like, sort of soap opera sex situation while still having you understand the sort of other political implications that's happening Uh, within the narrative and I really I like it and like you said like it moves at like a really I think the pace also is very solid and and you know how crazy I am about pacing so I'm I'm gonna give give it a good yeah um legit all of that I want to say too briefly before before we get into season two I actually really love the fact that Natalie Dormer was cast not just because she she is an actress and she makes everything super interesting, but because, um, she's not some, she's someone who, although I think she's really cute, um, is not, doesn't give you sex pot vibes. And I think this is super relevant when you mm. talk about her influence over Henry. She wasn't just so sexy that he couldn't think straight. She really used her brains when it came to this man. Definitely. Um, that's one of the great things about Natalie Dormer as an actress. Uh, she 
like I said, like, I know, you know, a bitch is about to get fucked up. And like, and I always mean that like in a, definitely like in a mental sense, she's, um, she always gives whatever Natalie Dormer is doing. Like she, she definitely gives that sort of calculating, uh, very smart, very, you know, um, formidable like type of person energy she's always going to give that to the role and uh it's always it's always a delight to see like yeah I part of the reason why I love her is like she does she's able to sort of the way she's present on screen even if the writing even if the writing is weak and I say this because like she does like a, a role like this also like in elementary and I think the writing on elementary is like a bit weaker than it is here on the tutors, but she still gives this role like an edge on your seat type of vibe. Like you still sort of feel that. And I think that's a really hard thing to do. I think that's like a very masterful thing to do. And, and but she does it and, and she's great. Absolutely agree. So we're thrust into season two. Season two, I guess they're like, okay, the show's about to like be something. So they give they give them the same ten episodes to work with at Showtime, um, and I feel like they really like crank things up a notch in season two. So we're thrust into fifteen thirty two. It is two years from where we left off in fifteen thirty, and. Um, uh, Henry is still seeking to annul his marriage to Catherine, um, not divorce, but to annul. And do you know how hard it is to annul a marriage where there's no, there's been no fraud and you have a child? Oh, right. I was like, like when he's <laughs> the disrespect, you, you're going to say this, this marriage never happened, sir. I'm gonna lie like when he's like uh, when he says a no like I laughed out loud I was like sir are you like like what are you doing <laughs> like where like I don't like explain this to me like explain your reasoning <laughs> like what it was dumb it was a mess and it's honestly the most dis one of the most disrespectful things he's done to any of the women in his life and that's saying a lot um so Anne wants her removed from court and he wants to make himself the head of the Church of England, um, the Anglican Church. And um, we have a new pope, Pope Paul III, um, who wants Anne Boleyn assassinated. Because he feels like when she's dead, her influence over him will dissipate. And I honestly feel that at first, they were just saying that Anne Boleyn was a witch and she cast a spell to, um, to turn people against her. But I, I feel like at some point the church actually started to believe that this woman might be a witch. I mean, <laughs> and they convinced themselves that it was true. I definitely think they're, they're, yeah, like uh, it's, it's definitely like when, you know, like when you've lied, you know, when you're operating in a delusion and then you, you start to tell yourself a lie in your own delusion. And then you tell yourself that lie long enough that, like, it, you do start to sort of believe it. Right, right. I remember watching shows on witchcraft. And I think it might have been that one, the one from Lifetime. The show about the witches that we saw on Lifetime that we talked about in the Gone Too Soon. Which one was it? Witches of East End. Witches of East End. Like, that show and a couple other shows actually mention... Anne Boleyn in the lineage of like great witches that have existed. So even like the modern day witches have have like are are like 
have absorbed that idea that she was a witch. But I'm like, she was probably just a mistress that got in over her head. Listen, she's a she's a mistress who like took it to the top, and people hate, and people were just like hating, like they were just hating. They hated so hard. Right now, let's talk about Margaret's man, Charles Brandon. Like he was like you know, kind of against his will, pulled into this conspiracy um, with Thomas Boleyn. And, like, he hates him and, by extension, hates Anne because she he assumes that Anne, like her father, wants to see Henry dead. Right. And that's not a good place to be because I'm sure he wants to warn his friend, but, like, again, she has a lot of influence over him. And, B, you already broke his trust by sleeping with his sister, so who he, who is he going to believe? Right. He's definitely, like, between a rock and a hard place. Like, it's bad. It's really, really bad. Um, but assassination attempts pretty much is, like, the best way to summarize uh, season two. Uh, conspiring and um, scheming is literally all these people did. Conspiring to kill Anne, conspiring to kill Henry. Um, in episode three, Anne gives birth to Elizabeth instead of the son that Henry wanted. And he uses this as an excuse to go back to being a cheater. And you know what? But like, see, this is where Anne fucked up because like Anne likes flat out promise. She's like, it's a boy. I'm like, girl, now you know. You know, like, 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 right. There's literally no way. It's it's fifteen thirty three, ma'am. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Like, chat. Like, girl. Like, what? Because no, and that's the thing. She's like, and there's still tons of people who don't know. There are fetuses who cover their genitals with their hands. We don't know. <laughs> she and and that was like. I remember feeling like that was a big mistake because she sat at him. She's like, it's a boy. I know it's a boy. And this man, you know, you know, he, he, he killed a wild boar, honey. There is a parade that is literally waiting in the streets to go off. You know, there's, they're releasing 70 doves. Like, you can't just say that. You got to be like, well, you know, I feel, but like, you never know. (laughs) Like, you got to try to find another way to like. Girl, it's that. ridiculous. Now, mind you, his marriage to Anne isn't even really legal um, at this point because they're married at this point. But like he hadn't succeeded in annulling his marriage to Catherine. He married Anne while she was pregnant in secret. But it's like it, it was technically polygamy. He's not legally divorced to Catherine. It's, it's not a no that nothing's happened. <laughs> um, and now you have this woman who he's like gone above and beyond to secure a marriage to promising him a son. So when she has a daughter, he doesn't just feel disappointed. Maybe he feels a little bit lied to. I don't know. Right. He like, I mean, shout out to him. He plays it off really well. Like he's like, oh, so excited. And, you know, I'm so excited. Like, you know, he's still I think he still lets the doves be released, but he's definitely, he's definitely playing it off. Okay. So I want to bring our attention really quickly before, uh, I want to bring our attention to their episode two at point, uh, I think it's like 1106. There is a hat, honey. There's like a winter look that is happening. Um, For, okay, first of all, the people on the show have drip. Drip for days. Drip. Drip. <laughs> Shout out to the wardrobe department and costume department. We appreciate you. 
we appreciate you. Y'all did the damn thing. But there is like a fur, like a faux fur with like three little snowball things with this like, um, uh, with this like gold sort of like gold and cream interlay like headband thing, like winter hat look thing that is happening that is exquisite. Um, it's a it's a whole winter vibe. Uh, so just know that you gotta you gotta check that out. It's it's particularly, and I just pointed out because it's it really caught my eye. I was like, mm, that's it. That is so it. Oh man, yeah. The whole show was of. I don't know how historically accurate any of the costumes are. And before anyone wants to inform me, please keep in mind that I don't want to know. I want to live in this I, ignorance. I just want to stand. You guys, we don't. <laughs> We're not that, like, like we said at the beginning, I don't, I'm not, I don't care that much about white history. Like, I love y'all, but like, ugh. <laughs> like, listen, like, the, the clothes are a mood, the fabrics are a vibe, the fits are great, and I just want to stand yeah. in peace. Exactly. We just want to stand, like, we're just, you know, we're, we're, we're soaking up the atmosphere. Just, just let it happen. Let it be. Um, right. But it's um, definitely a vibe. All right, so like, we're moving on. It's it's fifteen thirty four. We're episode four, and Henry like just just continues to shit on his uh his his starter family. Uh, Catherine is living in seclusion as a punishment again for conspiring with Cardinal Wolseley, and Mary is sent to be a maid to Elizabeth. She is her half sister's maid. She's a uh, princess who is a maid. But let's talk about Mary for a minute and how amazing her shade is towards <laughs> towards Anne. <laughs> I mean, the shade is impeccable and like, but you know what? She's just being a loyal daughter. Cause like if I don't if my father cheated my mom like that over a jump off, it would be a lot more than shade coming from me. <laughs> like, and it's so it's just like Anne is like, so I'm queen, and Mary's like, well, you are my father's wife. <laughs> like, my father's wife. Right. It's, like, it's so um, much. She's like, I I I only acknowledge the one true and Mary's like, I only acknowledge the one true queen of England. <laughs> right, right, right. And you know, like, I'm not gonna lie, like high key. I approve. She only said what we were all thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Like Mary's basically, I'm not feeling you. I'm not feeling anything that you're doing here. I think you're a hoe. Like, don't talk to me about any, like, don't try to be my friend. We're not friends. Mary's definitely just not feeling anything about Anne. Right. And, you know, like I said before, each episode, like we spend like two episodes max on any one year. So at this point, it should be noted that, um, Let's see. Mary is about 17, 18 years old at this point. Because, like I said, she was barely out of toddlerhood when we opened in 1518. And it is now 1534. That's 16 years from where we started. And, um, you know, she's just trying to be the bigger person and be classy like a lady should be. Um, and her title's been reduced to Lady Mary. Um, like her title of princess has been stripped from her and given to Elizabeth. So yeah, I'm gonna feel a type of way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's she, she's she's definitely feeling feeling a type of way. 
Um, but Anne's pregnant again, you guys. Um, she lost her leverage by giving him a, a, a daughter instead of the son she promised. So she knows he's being unfaithful and she's kind of just letting it ride because she can't get her leverage back until she gives him a son. <laughs> right. And like, and she's not, she's not happy about this. She's not ha- all these other girls like she's not happy about to the point where she like she like her one of her ladies Madge she sends Madge in to be like okay so go like have sex with the king because <laughs> she thinks if she can like control the situation like she'll feel better about it that goes about as well as you can expect like and also I'm did Madge sign up for this. <laughs> Right? Like, poor Madge. Like, this Madge. is like when, this is like when uh, uh, Sarah told Hagar to go sleep with Abraham. Like, did she sign up for this? <laughs> <laughs> now nah, y'all mad, but if y'all just let these servants be servants, instead of trying to turn your servant into your man's concubine, you wouldn't have these problems. <laughs> you wouldn't have these problems. <laughs> like, that lady does not, maybe she doesn't watch it. I know he's the king and everything, but maybe she doesn't watch her man. Maybe she just wants to do her job and earn her money and go home. And you know what? That's another, because like, Madge seems like she was totally fine, like wearing pretty dresses and like planning parties and like looking cute, like in the group photos or the group portraits, you know, making sure she looked cute for the group portraits for the, you know, so it's like, why are you trying to do, why are you trying to make it more than what, what, what it is? You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Like, just leave it alone. If your man doesn't want you, he doesn't want you. And picking and choosing his jump offs isn't going to help you. Listen, I used to see it all the time on Tinder. Swipe right on a guy and it turns out it's him and his wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to save your relationship. IJS. Ugh. If it's broken, if 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 you can't make it work with the two of you, adding another person, another unstable element isn't going to fix anything. Right, right, exactly. Like you can't be you can't be you can't be uh out here trying to make poly work if you can't make monogamy work. It just doesn't work <laughs> like that. It's not it's not the way. It's not the way. Got to um, add for multiply <laughs> so so oh girl so she's she's ego prego and um she, and the success and like the the and you know she's trying to deal with being ego prego and um but she has the baby and it's it turns out that the baby was a boy but it's it's still born and um mm. that does not bode like it does not bode well for her at all cuz now like cuz now that the baby is like still born it's like first of all it puts these witch rumors into overdrive and then second now it has henry questioning be like oh shit maybe god is punishing me because you know I just did all this shit to marry you. Like I broke with the Catholic church. I, you know, forsook, you know, Catherine, I've done all this shit. And maybe this is like punishment from God. So now it's like sending him into like crazy town. 
Yeah, um, it's really bad. But like, even the witch thing, I think is ridiculous still because like, if she was a witch, couldn't she just have kept her son alive to keep her power? Duh. Um, but I definitely understand why he thinks God is punishing him. Because why wouldn't you think that you you married this woman in a marriage that's still not even legally recognized? Um, you're still you're still technically married to one woman. You've banished her. You treated her like garbage. Yeah, I would think I was being punished too. No, I'm not gonna right. lie. I would think I was being punished for real, for real. Right. And then not only that, you've like it's that, and then it's like you've, and in addition to that, like you you've told your daughter, Mary, that she's no longer allowed to, like, speak to her mother, right? Mm, and, right. Her mo- and like, Catherine's getting sick. Like, she's getting older. She's getting sick. You stripped her of her title, like, which which is a huge thing, right? She's no longer right. a princess. She's not going to, she's not going to ever have that title ever again. The best she can hope for is to marry a lord or a viscount or a duke. Um... And so you've, you've radically changed the trajectory of her life and her options at this point. Um, and we kind of see this coming to bite him in that butt as well, because he tries to get his, his daughter, Elizabeth, engaged to the Prince of France. And the king is like, I'm not having my son marrying a bastard. I'm good. Yeah, he's like, you know, the Catholic Church didn't sign off on that girl. So I, you know, I, I empathize with you, but like, that's not something I'm trying to do. With, right. with my time he said girl this that's an outside baby you're still married to Catherine, and that's mm. not Catherine's daughter so my son ain't with it like we refuse <laughs> um it's interesting something so something that's interesting that comes up is that like and it goes back to what you were saying earlier but like henry's kind of like henry is like ain't shit but like he's not dumb either because he you know Mary writes him these other letters uh, to be like, oh, can she talk to her mom? And, you know, he's still forbidding it. And, like, somebody in his circle is like, oh, just let the girl talk to her mom. Like, what's the worst that could happen? And Henry, like, looks at them and she's like, "Uh, she could dethrone me. That's what could happen. (laughs) Like... Um, right, because she still got her supporters, honey. Listen, when you have friends and supporters, <laughs> like that woman is so put upon at this point that even people who weren't fucking with her now feel so horrible for her because they're like, she didn't even do anything, <laughs> right? She just she did nothing. He's like, um, she could like Mary if she and Mary talk, like you know, Mary's still in the Catholic Church, like Mary's Mike, my, my heir, and I don't have sons. So she could uh, launch, she could get Portugal and France and everybody else to like launch a war against me and then I'm fucked. <laughs> right, right, right. And at the end of the day, what he did with Mary, like I said, radically changed the, tra- the trajectory of England. She was the rightful heir to his throne. Like he had another, he had a son, Henry Fitzroy, who was illegitimate. And even if he had acknowledged his sons with Mary Boleyn, they were also illegitimate. Like she was his only real heir. Yeah. And having Mary on the throne means that everybody we know in the monarchy today, our current Queen Elizabeth and all of her progeny would have never been there. Right. And it's like, and this will be important later because like the, this because like when Henry does like, I think in real life, like when Henry does eventually die, um, Mary does ascend to the, Mary Tudor, Catherine of Aragon's daughter does ascend to the throne and she becomes queen of England. And then after, and then when she, and that's when like, 
we get into like um Elizabeth versus like Mary Scott, like Queen of Scots Mary. Cause mm-hmm. after that, like Mary Tudor, she doesn't have any real heir, so she has to like name somebody. And she could have and it's and that's why ultimately like Jane Seymour did like a solid for bringing like Mary and Elizabeth together when she eventually comes to the throne and like encouraged Mary and Elizabeth to like or encouraged Mary to like become like a sister figure to to Elizabeth because mm-hmm. Mary could have been like well fuck Elizabeth like it'll be Scott's Mary but like she doesn't, she does say that like, okay, like Elizabeth can ascend to the throne and that's how the line can continue. She ultimately does acknowledge uh, Elizabeth one. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a deal. It's a whole thing. Right, right, right. And after Mary's death, Elizabeth does secede um, Mary to the throne. Right. Um, Because Mary left a lot of bad taste in people's mouths. Uh, FYI, that drink Bloody Mary is actually named after her. Yeah, because she she basically she killed all the 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 reformers. She made she killed. Yeah, she was like, "You Protestants ruined my mother's life." She basically took all her childhood trauma and then like worked it out on other people. Right, right. That's essentially what happened. Um, mm-hmm. it's a mess. It's really a mess. We hate it. Um, but I do have to correct something that I said earlier. So Henry did have, uh, the one illegitimate son, Henry Fitzroy with Lady Elizabeth Blanc, but he did have another son, Edward the sixth of England. And he, that was his son with Jane Seymour, his favorite wife. You know, looking back, that might be why she was his favorite wife. <laughs> She's the wife of his only legitimate son. But um, <laughs> he was the first monarch of England to be raised as a Protestant. Um, and I believe the only reason why he never ascended to the throne is because um, at the age of 15, he became uh, terminally ill. Yeah, he got really sick. He gets sick and so, he dies. Didn't he? Um, yeah. We're sorry. Yeah, he died. He died when he was 15. So that's the reason why he didn't take the throne. That could have been a whole other look, too, if if Edward VI had become king, um, you know, raised in this without the childhood trauma that Mary and Elizabeth had to go through, <laughs> being a, a legitimate heir and um, being a man, how that could have changed the trajectory of England, right? Right. But um, man, listen, every little cog in the wheel takes its turn doing what it needs to do. Um, we're getting ahead of ourselves, though. Um, in this season, like we said, Anne loses her son. And by um, by the end of the season, Anne is just waiting for her death. And he's already moved on with Jane. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Jane comes into the picture. And, of course, he's feeling really, like, he's, like we said, he's in turmoil because he's like, damn, like. I married Anne and like that was that it's like Henry does not take any personal responsibility for his own choices like a true fuck boy he blames it all on like a woman um like maybe if she hadn't been so stressed out over your philandering she her baby wouldn't have been stillborn Mm. uh, right like things thoughts opinions um but uh he so basically Jane is introduced to him and he's feeling Jane heavy. Um, this is John C- Sir John Seymour's daughter and he's really into her. And, you know, Jane is also something to note that the show 
kind of sort of nods to, but in real life was like more pronounced. During this like time, like Anne becomes like actually like a really prominent like political force as well. Um, she like with her and Sir Thomas Cromwell and Henry Circle, Anne speaks a lot and does a lot in terms of like having thoughts and opinions and decisions about the political future of um England. In fact, she institutes uh there there are like a couple of things that she does where she instituted like taxes to like take care of like poor people and like started orphanages. And so obviously like you can't just be out here being a politician and then like you don't have a son. <laughs> like that's right. not how this works. Like she doesn't have a son and she no longer has any influence. Like Henry's over it. And we see her family, the Boleyns, being replaced with the Seymours, right? Because they're essentially the same type of family, like like opportunists. Right. It's bad. Uh, it's really bad, you guys. It's really bad. So, um, she... So, uh, so like, basically, she, um... Like, everything happens, and, and she gets... And, so now we see, like, Henry Circle basically try to, like, trump up charges that, like, she cheated, which she didn't. Like, even in that she's, like, a witch, which, like, she wasn't. And that, like, she, you know, committed treason. She didn't really. And and poor girl, she gets got. And, like, not only does she get got, like, her whole family gets got. Yeah, I think the only person who was spared the executioner was Mary. But at this time, Mary was already um, Mary was already married to uh, the King of France, I believe. Let me double check this before I say anything else. Um, uh, da, 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 da. I'm going to check this really, really, really quickly. But I believe that I'm correct on this. Mary Boleyn. Um, but yeah, they trump up charges. They say that she's a witch. They even like use the moles on her body as proof that she's a witch. Because apparently right. witches have moles. Girl, I would have been beheaded several times over. Every Caribbean woman would have. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, Mary did get married twice, actually. In 1520, she got married to William Carey. Um, and, uh, then again in 1534, she got married to William, uh, Stafford. Um, this marriage was in secret because he was considered like beneath her, her station, et cetera, et cetera. And after Henry left her from between 1515 and 1519, she was the mistress of King Francis the first of France. So she had pull and he wasn't going to fuck with it. And she had been she had left court life so many years ago. She left court in like 1515. Like they couldn't do anything to her, but her whole family, her brother, her father, all the people that were hovering around the Boleyns and all the people hovering around them got, got basically got, um, got. some trumped and, up charges of infidelity. And, and funny enough, like what got, what got her got, which they don't, which honestly, like on the show, like, isn't really clear to me. Like, and I think, like, they mention it was that, like, she disagreed with, and this is what I'm talking about, oof, it's such a gamble when you start becoming, like, a political force. Um, basically, Thomas Cromwell, like, all the monastery, all the, like, the former sort of Catholic 
residences, like in England, they were stripping them of like the money and stuff. And she disagreed with Thomas Cromwell about like where the money was going. See, right. right? She like, she was like, what do you mean? Like she thought the money should go somewhere different. And that's when Thomas Cromwell was like, okay, this bitch has got to go. Like I am not doing this anymore. And Essentially, was, um, she she told these men um, that she had an opinion and it differed from theirs and that was enough to get her killed. That was enough to get her got, like, it was nuts. It was really, really crazy. And I think the thing that hurt me the most was that when she was being accused specifically of of adultery, Henry knew that shit was a lie. He knew it was he a lie. He knew that shit was a fucking <laughs> lie. Like, oh my you God. You knew she wasn't cheating. You knew it. You knew it down deep down in your spirit, but you said nothing because it helped you alleviate your own guilt. They even got one of her um, her close friends, uh, Mark Smeaton. He was one of the four who like who like uh, pointed the finger of, of adultery at her. And it's like, you can't trust these dudes. You can't trust your daddy. You can't trust your brother. You can't trust your friend. You can't trust these men out here. <laughs> Right, right. They even um they even accused her of incest. Like, and that was another one. That was another charge that they had like dropped on her that was totally fabricated, was like incest. And the show points to it too. And it's and it's so heartbreaking because like um when you see when you see it like she's she's having this breakdown because like she could cause she knows that like Henry is sleeping with other women and she feels like and and it's she's having this breakdown essentially because she's scared, right? Because mm-hmm. she knows Henry's cheating. Um, she hasn't given him a son. Uh, and so she's scared for her life. And her brother calms her. And like you on the show, like her brother, like she's having a breakdown and she's and then also she feels like Henry doesn't love her, which is like another one and so she's having this like huge mental breakdown and her brother sort of just holds her from behind and he just come and he he's comforting her like your brother would and he's like you know trying to soothe her and he's like chill chill it's gonna be like chill and it, and one of her ladies sees it sees it and she's like oh yeah did you know she was fucking her brother like oh my god like, first of all, who raised y'all? What kind of families do you, y'all live in where, like, a brother and a sister can't even hug? <laughs> Savages. Animals. Savages. Um, Animals. <laughs> ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The, all the charges were ridiculous. Henry knew they were ridiculous. And if he didn't know they were ridiculous before, when they threw the incest charge in there, I know he knew that shit was crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But he needed to believe it. He needed to feel good about his decision. And, um... And he's completely indifferent to Anne's death. He's just looking forward to marrying Jane at this point. Um, I think one of the things that bothers me uh, about about the way Anne was treated was that she was ultimately assassinated for having a brain and having opinions um, and asserting herself. And the... The, the sad thing about Anne's situation is that we still have a lot of women in this exact situation. They're marrying a man, even if he's not a political figure necessarily, just a man with a lot of money and a lot of influence. And, you know, when that man starts stepping out on them, they feel like they can't speak up or they'll lose, you know, what they have, right? And right. ultimately, when that man decides that he's sick of them and tosses them aside, 
it's not just enough to throw the woman away. You have to assassinate her character as well. Right. I think that's the, that's also the part of it. That's like, and it's, it's weird because it's a, I feel like there's a lot of cognitive dissonance. Cause it's like how, but it's like, yeah, it's, they can't just throw a woman away. And I feel like they think that they can't throw a woman away. Cause like, they're like, well, she has to have done something or else like I look like a jerk, but how does it look when you behead like a wife? Like, do you know how, like, that's just going to make you look even crazier. And it did like to the international community at the time, like people really were like, <laughs> he did what? Like it, it doesn't make you look any better. Right, right, right. And I think, I think this is a matter of accountability, right? I can look like a jerk for beheading my wife in retribution for something she did, or I can look like a jerk for, for simply wanting to leave. And I don't want to be accountable. I can want to cheat, but I don't want to be called a cheater. I want to be, I want to be uh, a bad husband, but I don't want people to call me out for being a bad husband. So I'm just going to make it your fault. <laughs> right. And it's like, uh... it's so disgusting the way that this woman was treated and she won't be the last the woman that Henry does dirty, but she's definitely in the, the top spot of who was done. I feel the most wrong. Right. For, for, for really not like for nothing, for, for nothing. It's, it's ugly. So yeah. So we end the season with, um, and her whole, her fault with her, her death. Um, and Henry, uh, mar- moving on and, and marrying Jane. So season two, good, bad, or basic. Season two was hard to watch, but I think that's actually what made it so good. Because I think this was probably the more historically accurate season of all the seasons. So I, I give it a good. I give it a good, too. I like, uh, like I said, I love Natalie Dormer. And she's masterful to watch. And seeing her downfall was just so hard. But, like, she plays it so beautifully. Um, particularly that scene that I talk about where she's having that that huge she's having like this huge just mental sort of emotional break because she can sort of feel it coming and and it's devastating and she's devastating and but she sells it and and they're great so yeah so on to season three (laughs) season three was our shortest season it had only eight episodes but even then it still managed to do really really well Uh, according to this it it outdid the very popular HBO series in treatment when it, um, which whose season two premiered at the same time as the Tudor season three. And, you know, like I said, it was broadcast on four different, uh, networks, Showtime, CBC, um, in Canada, BBC two in the UK and TV three in Ireland. So the international viewership of the show was actually very vast as well, but just on Showtime alone, it was doing big numbers. People were in it. And, so Anne was beheaded in uh, uh, 1536. Uh, yeah, 1536. Mm-hmm. And um, we pick up that s- later that same year. It's This is the first time the show does this. This is days after Anne's execution. And Henry gets married. Like, yep. days. Her corpse isn't even cold yet. <laughs> new wife. New, new season, new wife. Um, Jane Seymour. Shout out to Jane. <laughs> Not to be confused with Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, the actress of the exact same name and exact same spelling. 
we really, we, I really, I really was a fan of, 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 I wanted to be, I didn't say it was, I wanted to be a fan of Jane Seymour, but honestly, I don't trust any woman that comes into a relationship with a man who's literally just killed his wife. Well, yeah, I, I liked Jane only because like, I really, I really liked that she was trying to, I appreciate that she's trying to heal the rift between Henry and um, Mary, his daughter that he had sort of banished. I like that she encouraged him to give her back her title. I like that she, you know, you can't control how you come into a situation, but you can control, you know, what you do when you are in the situation. And, you know, she chose good. She chose, she did not choose chaos. Um, In real life, I think Jane Seymour, uh, she was also somebody who was very beloved, uh, I think because essentially she was like the opposite of Anne. Like she wasn't really trying to like be political. She was like super pious. She um, was all just about, you know, she was actually probably like more like Catherine and people vibed with that really heavy. So, you know. Right, right, right. Um, and I think that's what they wanted. They wanted their women essentially to be seen and not heard, which is not to say that she didn't have great influence, but her influence was directly through Henry. And she really influenced him to stay with the status quo. And that's also significant, right? I want to heal your rift with the church. I want to heal your rift with your daughter. I want to basically get you doing all the things that you should have done in the first place. place. <laughs> um yeah she although she was like protestant like she did like that was like her her bag and her vibe um so she wasn't trying to like rejoin him with the catholic church but she was like you know but she but she was like pious she definitely like was like more like god you know we're gonna pray more we're gonna we're gonna do that so that and everybody was just feeling it. Everybody was like, yeah, this is it. Like, this is, this is what I want to be doing. Or, although, yeah. And she didn't get, like, into his business like that. And he appreciated, and that was the main thing, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And, I mean, honestly, you know, going back to uh, Anne real quick, this is not the first time that Henry had even had a stillborn son. Um, Mary had delivered three sons that were either stillborn or died in infancy. Or excuse me, uh, Catherine had delivered three sons that were stillborn or died in infancy, um, including the first son he ever had, Henry Duke of Cornwall. So, like, maybe it's you. Maybe you're the reason why you can't have sons. Maybe, yeah, I was going to say, maybe it's you, sir. Maybe you're the one. Um, we still don't give men any blame when there are conception issues or fertility issues, but like, it, no, it, it's y'all too. It's, it's, it's really is sometimes you, your, the, your sperm, the quality, the speed, the age of it even, or the age of the man, apparently they, they, they thought that didn't have any bearing on children, but like the, apparently old men are more prone to conceiving sickly children. That's interesting. Um, you see exactly. So there you go. It's not. It's not just that. Um, but this season definitely focuses more on the Reformation, and so because you know because of Anne Henry now has like he's not just in charge. He's not just in charge of a country. He's in charge. Bleh, I can spot speak. Um, 
because of Anne and marrying Anne and breaking from the Catholic Church, he's not just in charge of a country. He's in charge of a church. He's head of the church. He's, which means like, he's essentially doing the king job and he's doing like the pope job. He's doing two jobs at once. And uh, it's, it's not going well. It doesn't, it doesn't go as well as, as he wants it to go. Right, because he was not groomed for this. You were raised to be a king. You were not raised to be the head of a church, which he realizes very quickly are two very uh, troubling uh, aspects that can sometimes be at odds with each other, right? Right. Like, your spiritual beliefs and a religion are not a country. <laughs> they don't have the same needs that a co- that your church or, or a congregation doesn't necessarily have the same needs as what needs to be done to keep your country afloat. Right. And you can't deal with your, you can't deal with a a congregation in the same way that you would typically deal with, with, um, your countrymen. And, and basically it leads to a lot of death and bloodshed by, by Henry's hands via Charles. Charles Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. Charles Brandon. And, and it fucks up Charles in a, in a really serious way as well. Like, their friendship chain changes and he's forced to sort of reckon with like a, a lot of stuff that I just, he didn't anticipate. Right, right, right. And now we don't actually even see much of Jane. I mean, it feels like it because it's the tutors and they know how to pace this well, mm-hmm. but um, you know, by episode four, she's given birth to their son, Edward the sixth and she dies within days because this was a very hard birth for her and there were a lot of complications for her. And she dies. So by episode five of season three, Henry is a widow, or widower. And he's grieving her while trying to, you know, all the joy he has of finally having a son who's lived or is gone. A legitimate son who lived is gone because the only son he has prior to this is Henry Fitzroy who has no claim to the throne. Right. And... And he's taking, he does not take Jane's death well. Um, like, hi, Key, I think she was his favorite wife because, A, she gave him a son, and B, she died before he could get tired of her. I'm going to with you. Like, <laughs> he died before he could get tired of her, and so she, he, he's in a place where he can romanticize every memory of her. Right. I think that's probably really accurate. So yeah, he uh he uh you know does Henry things. Uh, he does Henry things. He, he drowns himself in liquor and women. It's fine. It's fine. He you know he he you know designs palaces. I don't know. He's drawing in in his like little drawing room, but he's not he's not well. He's not happy generally, and he's just you know. You know, it's not, it's not like, it's just not a good time for him. But, you know, whatever, it happens. Then he he immediately, immediately marries, well, not immediately. It's like, gosh, how many years has it been? It's been like two years. So not immediately, but, um, and actually pretty long time, I guess, for a king. He marries Anne of of Cleves or Clevis. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Who's played by Jaw Stone. Uh, see, there's nothing fancy about her. She's just uh, a German aristocrat. 
and um, with this incredible accent <laughs> like incredible great accent um and it's just a political marriage and he's like yeah i'm d- i'm done with love down with love but then by next episode he's trying to know his marriage to her because it's wait for it loveless like i know what did you think was gonna happen y'all don't know each other <laughs> she's basically not trying to like you know she does not enjoy the sex she uh she's not trying to really throw it back at him she she likes him well enough she likes mary mary's cool to her uh you know she likes elizabeth who is now lady elizabeth and mary is princess again right you know she enjoys hanging out with mary and elizabeth and you know but she's not really into henry and henry's like well you know my dick isn't gonna suck itself so Somebody's gotta somebody's gotta do it. It's a hard job, but you know, I need someone who's prepared to handle it. <laughs> Pretty much. So he does exactly what he did. Well, not exactly. He did he did Catherine really dirty. Catherine of Aragon, I mean. But he he pretty much tries to repeat that history. He falls for a 17-year-old named Catherine Howard, and he is trying to annul his marriage to Anne. <laughs> Typical. <laughs> Typical. 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 Um, but yeah, he uh, that's where we leave off. He's just like, I'm in love. Catherine Howard is the one. She's 17 when- and she won't ever, you know, try to usurp my authority and I can control her. Let's get married. <laughs> right. When in reality, it's like, she's 17. She's a child. <laughs> like... Right. I, I mean, they were getting married off younger than that. So, girl, I don't know. But the person who's really in love is actually Mary. Mary is in love with Duke Philip of Bavaria, but he's sent away from court because they won't let her be happy, essentially. See, and like, little do they know, they're they're just putting the trauma in there for her. See, this is what happens, like, because she's, she's gearing up. She's... She's gearing up to really, you know, take out all her issues on everybody. And if maybe, maybe if they just let her be, have this one happiness, everything wouldn't happen how it happened. But, you know, gotta learn the mm-hmm. hard way, I Because her people, her people, you guys. And y'all could have just let her marry Philip and go be great in Bavaria. Um, but you hate that girl and you hate Eastern Europeans, quiet as it's kept. So, of course... <laughs> Of course, of course he had to destroy it. <laughs> of course he had to destroy it. Um, and Henry just keeps running through women like water, and it's fine. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. Uh, yeah, well, Anna's eventually... She's not... An, I think she's just sent away. Like, she's... He gives her, like, a palace... Um In, like, another... Like, outside of court, and, like, she couldn't be happier. She's like a house in the countryside with like maids and servants and a little allowance every month girl okay see this Say is what, this is what annoys me so i'm on wiki and i'm looking at a portrait of anne of class and she was actually pretty i mean she's like she looks average like maybe today average but she looks good enough to 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 for all the fuss is what i'm saying like i'm like okay this is a good portrait this is i would not kill my portraiture or a portrait painter over this this looks like this might be what she actually looked like like 
She looks good. She literally looks better than any portrait I've ever seen of Henry's other wives ever. <laughs> like, why couldn't you just paint these women to look, I don't know, human and healthy? Because all of them look sick in, the, in these other pictures as well. But yeah, it says here that her marriage to Henry was not just brief, but it was unconsummated. And that's why Henry was able to annul her. But he gave her her little settlement, like you said. Uh, she lived to see the coronation of Mary as queen, and she also outlived all of his wives. I know, because she like she's probably the happiest of everybody. <laughs> yeah, you know what that is? It's 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 she's just living. It's she's stress free. She's got her country chateau, <laughs> and she's fine. <laughs> she's fine. She's living her best life. Okay, I'm Listen. sure she. She gets up it's, in the morning and reads and then, like, maybe gardens and, like, takes, no, like... she these... just watches her servants garden, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, me... Well, I'm sure she... They let her, like, cut, like, you know... They let her pick an eggplant for, like, fun. I'm telling you, she's, like... She's probably really doing it out there. So what we've learned from this is that Henry killed all his wives. In one way or another, <laughs> he killed all these women. And, it's his fault. And now she's like, and now she's just living her best life. She's healthy. You know, she ain't got to do nothing for no random ass man. Like she's, she's doing it. She's living. So yeah. But, um, but by the end of the season and get like, Anne of Cleves gets her little settlement. Um, but things are looking really grim for, uh, Thomas, Cromwell, a one Thomas Cromwell. Uh, in fact, so grim that he he gets got this season. Yeah, he gets beheaded. That's how the season ends. And honestly, not only is this historically accurate, but I feel like there is uh, there is justice in that. That all the people that conspired against Anne Boleyn and all the people that sought to use her and debase her and ruin her reputation, got theirs. Same. I mean, justice is not always swift, but um, I feel like there was a great symmetry in him dying exactly the same way that she did. Right, so that's what, how it ends. Thomas Cronwell gets his. Um, he's not innocent. He did this to himself. Um, I didn't feel bad for Anne's dad and brother um either like obviously the brother didn't commit incest but he was right there with the dad in basically promoting um uh swapping his sisters out for power right and in and um and like the show doesn't like do this but like in real life like thomas cronwell's death took like half an hour because like they like they couldn't chop off his head uh properly so, um, was the axe dull? This is why you need to sharpen your metal, you guys. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, so and he, I think he died for being like a secret. Basically, once again, it was like Henry couldn't like take responsibility for his own choices, uh, and he got beheaded for some like. Uh, issues in regards to to the church um so yeah but he did but he does get beheaded on the same day that henry marries Catherine howard so yeah 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like if his marriage to Jane Seymour taught us anything is that maybe you shouldn't be getting married around the time of a beheading. You know, <laughs> although <laughs> maybe, maybe that put a curse on your marriage. Maybe that's why your wife died. If we're believing in curses and punishments from God and all, you know, but you know what? There's a part of me that feels like it's peak Henry to just like, Anytime really, anytime something like really nasty is happening, like the beheading of his wife or close friends and confidants who he's trusted for a minute, he just like, he makes sure that he's just doing something happy, like on the day of so that like he just doesn't have to go or like deal with it mentally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's something that feels very peak Henry about that. Mm. Child, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, this just some of these men just want to burn. They just want to suffer. Um, so, um, what do we think of season three? Good, bad, or basic? Um, it's another. I think. I feel like. Um, I would say I give it a good minus. Yeah, I'm right there, and I don't think it's necessarily anything with the writing and action. I just feel like this period in Henry's life. Just wasn't as exciting <laughs> as the first two seasons. Seasons, yeah. And there, and I don't know, like, and there's something about the secondary characters that they didn't that they just haven't juiced up enough for me to mm-hmm. like care as much or follow easily. Accurate. But so we're that, just cycling through so many lacking. wives so quickly now. <laughs> right. We're just going through the wives at like and again, the show doesn't feel fast-paced except when you're dealing with all of these wives in such quick succession. Because it kind of feels like he's married to them for several months rather than, like, years. <laughs> right, right. I mean, in in Jane, Anne of Cleves, and Anne Boleyn's case, he was married to them for, like, I think Anne Boleyn for, like, a year, and the other two he was married to for, like, several months before they died or it was annulled. But for the rest of them, they were married for years and years. And only... Yeah, so, like, the only marriage that actually feels as long as it was is his marriage to Catherine of Aragon. Right, right. But it just feels like he's just, like, he's just got this revolving door of women, which he probably did. He was a king. Jumping into season four, season four was back to our 10-episode lineup, and we had Maria Doyle Kennedy, Natalie Dormer, and Annabelle Wallace, who played Catherine of Aragon, Anne Boleyn, and Jane Seymour, respectively. They reprised their roles in these like dream sequences that we see um, in the last episode of The Tudors. So it's kind of like, you know, days of wives past. <laughs> right. He's, he's reflecting on all his bad behavior throughout the years. So he's definitely feeling... He's they they come back to to haunt him. Did you so did you think this episode was like hooky? Because I felt like even though it was kind of appropriate, I also still felt it was kind of like hooky. Yeah, that last season, that final episode was kind of like I don't want to say it was hooky, but I I definitely felt like it was trying too hard to be um gosh. Um, I know what I'm saying, but I don't remember the name of the the novel. It was trying too hard to be a Christmas Carol. It was like you know the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. It was mm-hmm. like the ghosts of wives past type of situation, 
And I was like, what is even the point? Because all the damage has been done by this point. Right. It's also like that. It's also the one where I'm like, you know, they put Jonathan because also like one of the famous things about Henry VIII is like he be, he ended up becoming like one of the fattest monarchs ever, like in history. And so they put Jonathan Rhys Myers in this fat suit, and I'm just like, oh, here we go with the fat suits, and he looks. And then there's something about the performance that, like, feels kind of ridiculous. Y'all gotta stop with the fat suits. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I've never seen anybody do that right and not make it look corny. And that's probably because you can't really get um, the mind, the person's mind hasn't transitioned over, if that makes sense. Like, I look at actors like Christian Bale and Renee Zellweger, who've actually just put on weight for roles, and it always feels more authentic than someone just putting on a fat suit. It just always feels weird. Just, it, I don't know, it just feels weird. And then the so, episode ends with, like, all, I guess, all the, the you know, Mary and Elizabeth and then the last of the wives mourning it. But then there's this, there's this scene that, like, I feel like could have been cool. But, like, then I I still don't know how I feel about it. Like, whether if I like it and it's cool or if I just think it's really, really stupid where um, there's like a, like the horseman of death comes with a sword to like behead Henry himself, like in a sort of dream sequency thing, which I mm-hmm. think, which honestly I think does have potential. Cause there is something satisfying to me about the idea of like Henry in uh, like, the visual of Henry being beheaded and meeting like in some way a violent death, like spiritually that Mm -hmm. his, his wives also met so many of them. There, there's something that I feel is right in that, but I don't know if it's executed properly. Yeah. I don't think that it was executed properly either. Um, you know, um, back really quickly to Henry's weight. So one of the things that people used to do at the time is that they would draw portraits of men particular being very, um, not very, but large, like plump or muscular, um, to show either their might or their money, because either you were very, very physically strong or you had the money to afford to get to the food to get big. And the thing about Henry, though, is that in his later life portraits, they actually had to paint him much, much smaller because apparently um, he had become overweight to the point where his health suffered. And I thought that that was interesting because Henry always had vices. Um, Maybe he became a glutton later in life. But like before before the food, it was always the women. Right. Mm -hmm. Like. Henry used women's bodies as a form of therapy. There's no getting around that. And to feel powerful, right? (laughs) To feel powerful, to feel in control, because he had a lot of issues with ego and paranoia. And and the paranoia wasn't all unwarranted even, right? So when you're Mm -hmm. already a paranoid person, and then you see even just one or two instances where your paranoia is warranted, then it kicks it into high gear. People actually were trying to kill him. (laughs) So he used women's bodies as a form of therapy. And after Anne uh, of Cleves came Catherine Howard and then Catherine Parr. And there was just a bunch 
of women, six wives in total, countless paramours, you know, including Lady Elizabeth Blount, who had his son, Henry Fitzroy. Like, there came a time in Henry's life where I don't even think he cared about these women anymore. He just wanted to have a woman. Like, just anybody will do. I'll just take whatever, you know? <laughs> I think he stopped caring what he about these women and who they were and what they looked like after the death of Jane, if I'm being very honest. Um, but he's just not a good person. And what we learned from Henry, what I learned from the Tudors and watching the Tudors is that you can have the most powerful man, but if he's dealing with personal insecurities, you're still just... You're in a dangerous situation. Because when you mix an insecure man with lots of money and lots of power, the only people who can, are going to suffer are the women and children around him. I mean, I mean, everybody's going to suffer. Yeah. And then, I mean, the women and children will take the brunt of his, of the suffering, but ultimately everybody suffered around him. Right. Um, Charles right. certainly did. Uh, Thomas right. certainly did. Um, his advisors, but like, but yes, you're the women and the children will take the most of it and will take the brunt of it. Like it's, it's a mess. The whole situation is a mess. Like I said, he he transitions from wife to wife to wife to wife. Um, he managed to stay with Catherine Howard for like two years. Um, he was with Anne Boleyn for three years. He was with Jane for a year. He was with Anne of Cles for six months. And the final wife was Catherine Parr, his official widow. And that's only because he died in 1543. It feels weird saying a time that time period i'm used to starting everything with 19 whatever or 2000 whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh yeah that's only because he died in 1543 he would have it would have been a seventh wife after that um and i don't think that um i'm being pessimistic here there is a a pattern and when you're a man that powerful and you have that much money you're surrounded by yes men people never told henry no or that this is a bad idea or you didn't think this shit through to his face <laughs> i know they were saying it to other people in hopes that maybe somebody else would like step up and take the hit and be like oh like what if you didn't do that but like yeah no one said that to his face like, and this is what you get. You get, like, a grown boy out here literally, like, on a reign of terror <laughs> <laughs> and ruining lives until, you know, he died. So he's succeeded by his son, uh, Edward VI, who then promptly dies right afterward. I swear everything that happened to the Tudors was, like, was because of Henry's behavior and that if there was a curse on that family it's because of his actions let it be a lesson but ultimately season four is season four is fine like um i feel like we're forced to care about people who we never cared about before like so that's hard like (laughs) i feel like they start putting the camera and like people i'm like i'm like who are you like i have never seen you in my whole life like why are you here so uh and it's And, like, even worse, it's, like, they make us focus on, like, men who we've never seen before. It's not like they try to expand the stories of, like, maybe Mary or, like, Anne of Cleves or, like, people who we've been introduced to previously in the narrative or, like, try Mm -hmm. to connect some of these stories to, like, 
previous people we've come to care about. It's literally just these brand new, brand new ass people. And I'm just like, what? (laughs) Um, So for that, I ultimately give season four like another like, I think for that, I give season four like a basic. Because I do think that they're, and we'll see this when like we watch The White Queen. I think there's a way to like refocus the story on like the women or like other people and do it in a still like really interesting way. Even if you have to like sort of fudge history, like it's like this happened 500 years ago, like nobody cares that much. (laughs) So, so that's definitely how I feel about season four. What about you? Yeah, I, you know, I think I'm just going to still give season four a good. And the reason why I give it a good, even though all of my issues with it, are the exact issues you have is that I feel that there is a brilliance in making the audience care about these new people and these new wives about as much as Henry did, which is not very much at all. <laughs> You're taking it to a very meta place. It's like, oh. yes, I am. I am taking it to a meta place and I'm pretty sure I'm reaching. I, I don't want to pull anything because I'm reaching really fast, but like, <laughs> I really think we don't, we're not supposed to care because Henry doesn't really care. Like how, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense for our, our, our audience to care more about someone than our protagonist does. It just doesn't. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't care about these hoes. So like, I don't need to care either. <laughs> like we said, like, like I said before, like at the beginning, Everybody does shows about the Tudors. We've seen like 20 billion sort of iterations about this family and like this specific period. I'm not particularly interested in like this story again, unless like you switch it up high key, high key. Like, um, and I mean, like, it's not even like if you use the, the events like as like a basis for, like, another story, like, a Game of... Like, it it would have to be, like, a Game of Thrones situation. Like, Game of Thrones is, like, loosely based on, um, like, the, ro- the War of the Roses uh, between Lancasters and Yorks, which right. we're getting to a series... The White Queen is uh, definitely, like, about that. Um, but, like, it... Uh, but it's... it's Right? But it's, like, new characters and new stuff, but based just on, like the the idea or like the thing of that that's the only way I think I'm trying to see like Henry the Eighth again like or this story again is if it's like if it's just this sort of dynamic but like new characters and stuff like I think that could be cool but like I'm not necessarily trying to see like another thing about the Tudors right it's like what do you want to watch Hamlet or Sons of Anarchy <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no no i get that um i have to correct something i said earlier though um mary didn't have children either she had two phantom pregnancies she thought she was pregnant but they were really just that was really just liver cancer Mm. um and then elizabeth also had no children um but yeah so that's that's the tutors tutors is fun like i said not not interested i'm i'm like i do know that they're they're doing another tutors like another another Henry VIII Tudors thing. Um, Jodie Turner-Smith has been cast as as Anne Boleyn. So I don't know. We'll see how that works out. But like... Casting a Black woman as Anne Boleyn is, is interesting because I'm not against... 
I'm not against, against the race bending. We've all heard the story enough times by now to know what it actually was, right? right. But I think the claims of Anne being a witch and seeing a black woman in that role doesn't sit well with my spirit. <laughs> Same. Um, and like I and when she was initially cast, I thought I didn't read. I just saw that she was cast and they were doing it at it like they were doing the story, but I didn't read the article so deep to see like if it was going to be like what I just said, like it's like they're going to do something different with it. Like they're taking the dynamics or like the story of it and they're going to switch it up and do something like Game of Thrones or whatever. But Mm -hmm. I saw a picture of her on set and she's dressed in like period clothing. So like, Basically, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm already getting like, my radar is already like bad vibes. I'm already getting bad vibes. I mean, vibes. if you were going to cast her, you could have cast her as literally any member of the court or even if uh, 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 Lady Elizabeth Blount, the mother of Henry Fitzroy, um, casting her as his most hated wife is just a lot. The wife I mean, who was accused as a, of being a witch, the wife who was beheaded. I don't know. It's ugly. I mean, I think it, it's gonna, it can go either way. Cause like, she's the most hated wife, but she's also the most interesting wife. She's the wife who like, is always like the most focused on in terms of like story. So like, it is like a good opportunity. It's usually Anne Boleyn, like is always the best written from any, from all the sort of iterations of her, she's always the most like well-written, always has the most focus. So I don't know. It's going to go, it's really up in the air, but we'll see. All I know is y'all not going to mess with my black queen. You're going to give her respect that you didn't give Anne in this role. Don't make Jody out here looking like a mess. Like you said, Anne is the most interesting of his wives, probably because she's the most influential wife, right? Right. So what you're not going to do is strip her of this influence and try to, like, reduce or diminish her character in any way. Don't do that. And there you have it, folks. This is everything that we think made the Tudors good, bad, basic, and completely captivating. If you'd like to check out the series, The Tudors is currently streaming on Netflix. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. Tune in next week as we keep the historical drama season going with a recap of the sensuous and intriguing Renaissance-era drama, The Borgias. The Borgias is also streaming on Netflix, so be sure to get into this series and go refresh your memory because you don't want to miss out on this conversation. The Good, the Bad, the Basic is currently streaming on all major podcast platforms, so be sure to tune in to our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at The Good, Bad, Basic on Twitter and at Good, Bad, Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic, where all of our weekly episodes debut first. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.